We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. And you're going to see a lot of these types of podcasts and shows coming in. Just as a friendly reminder for these shows, as I point them out, we are not at training camp, Nick and I. I may be at some training camp practice. It all depends on my schedule with, at, with my work at CBS. Probably weekend practice more likely. But we feel like it's valuable to get these recaps going for the reason being that we can break off into different discussions about scheme, X's and O's, the Giants roster, and overarching matters that may not be Paris Campbell catches a touchdown in red zone. While we'll talk about all of the happenings from practice that are reported by people who are actually there, we want to use these to springboard into discussions about the roster, about projecting projecting the Giants moving forward, the 2023 season, the things that matter the most, which is a training camp is for anyway, a preparation for the season. So anything else on that, Nick, before we go into some of what we saw today in the first, and not saw some of what we recalled today and, and learned today from the Giants first training camp practice. Firstly, I just want to say thank you to Bobby Skinner, the New York's revival, people like that who do have their boots on the ground and who are tweeting about the catches and the touchdowns that are going to help springboard this conversation. So I wanted to put that out there for the people on the beat and just fans and, and people who also have podcasts. So kudos to our contemporaries out there. But no, let's dive into it, dude. And as you guys have likely noticed from last year when we did this, and as I'm sure you guys have noticed from the previous years you've done this, we've done this, I've made it important. An important part of this is giving credit for each person uh, who does that. So I will continue to do that as well. Nick, I want to talk about some takeaways from the first practice. I think let's start with the skill players on offense. I was definitely a bit surprised to see how many first team reps Cole Beasley had just, you know, coming over. He had two touchdowns, I believe in the red zone. I'm less concerned about that. And I'm less interested in that. I'm more concerned about just not concerned, less, more interested in talking about how he's already working with the first team offense just days after signing. And I think that speaks volumes to his fit in the system 100 percent. and let's not sugarcoat this with colby's he's 34 years old he signed just before training camp i went on this podcast and went on the youtube and suggested like this might not be a, a signing where if everybody is healthy he'll make the team but as we know wando robinson and sterling shepherd are on the pup list right now that's going to open up slot snaps paris campbell we think of him as a slot but as we've talked to several guests, some that will be released after this episode drops, maybe Paris Campbell is going to play outside a little bit. 
right? He might be used a little bit at running back. I think they're going to use him creatively. But if you need a savvy veteran, somebody who can line up in the slot, knows Brian Dable, Brian Dable trusts him and understands how to uncover against zone coverage in the middle hook areas of the field, Cole Beasley seems to be that guy that fits that bill in terms of a slot receiver because Jalen Hyatt is not that guy. Jalen Hyatt is going to be a speed guy. We all think of him as a slot, but he is going to be a speed guy, and I think he will be used outside a little bit. And when you look at the depth chart, who else on this roster that's not named Sterling Shepard and Wandell Robinson or Jameson Crowder, who is also not there, is going to eat up those snaps? It's Cole Beasley. Yep. Cole Beasley is that guy. Cole Beasley is that veteran. And if he builds the right rapport with Daniel Jones and Brian Dable trusts him, he has an inside track to the roster. And I don't think the fact that he's 34 years old, if he can still play and he can still give you reliable snaps, which he did for the Bills in the playoffs last year, I think he can make this team. And I think he can actually make some noise throughout training camp and then into the season, hopefully in week one against his former team, the Dallas Cowboys. It wouldn't surprise me, Nick, because you listen to some like a great example is today. Devontae Adams at Raiders training camp practice was talking about just how surprised he was to watch Jacoby Myers run routes in practice. And, and he talks about how for somebody who's a fifth year in the league, he has an insane amount of savvy. And I think the same is the case with Cole Beasley. Think about what the Giants had success with last year on offense. A lot of it was through Richie James, who's not the fastest receiver, Richie James. He wasn't the quickest receiver. He wasn't making insane 90 degree cuts like Kadarius Tony is able to or something, for example. He just has that route running savvy, that understanding, that awareness, that spatial awareness. And I think that's what Cole Beasley has. Well, oftentimes as analysts or fans, we get so focused and hyped on, does this guy run? How fast is his 40-yard dash? How awesome does he look cutting? Does he have moves post-catch? All those types of things. But part of this position, this wide receiver position, and part of keeping an offense in rhythm and a passing game on track is that ability to create separation. There's different ways to do it. Cole Beasley has proven that throughout his career, his spatial awareness, his savvy as a route runner. It gives a, you know, what did we talk about last year? When the Giants found success in the passing game, Nick, a lot of it was layup routes. Every offense needs those layup routes, as I like to call them. Those, you know, you get open, you create the separation fast, you understand the space where that separation is going to be able to be created and where you're going to be able to sit to make an easy throw and an easy option for the quarterback. That's something Cole Beasley does a really good job of. So, it maybe was surprising to me that he's already taking so many first team reps, but it won't be surprising to me if he makes an impact on this team and makes the roster as well. And I think that's just something we're going to have to start to consider as a possibility here, Nick. What's the number one trait that Joe Shane has mentioned in terms of wide receivers? Like, it's not always about size. It's not always about physicality. It's not always about speed. It's about your intelligence. And Cole Beasley is a really smart route runner. And like I said, he understands how to uncover. Think about the Giants offense last season. So down the stretch of the season when there was a quick passing attack, and even before that, what was the primary way the Giants were operating at a quick game? It was first read, not there. The receiver did not uncover. Daniel Jones just took the B gap, and Daniel Jones just ended up running to extend the play and pick up a couple yards if he didn't like what he saw with his eyes in terms of throwing the football. I think Cole Beasley fits that style very well from the slot because he will uncover, and he will give Daniel Jones a more advantageous throwing window just by the way he angles his body against zone coverage more specifically than man coverage. And I think that's very important to what this Giants offense wants to be going forward. I don't think it will be the primary identity like it was last season. Hopefully the Giants are going to open it up and throw it down the field a little bit more and use Darren Waller because you have all of these new weapons. But I still think it's going to be a big part of what Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are going to do. Yeah, you made a great point there because in the end, keeping this offense in rhythm is extremely important for the Giants. And speaking of Darren Waller, who immediately had an amazing practice for the Giants, feels like he was the MVP of practice. I mean, getting open a ton in the red zone, catching touchdowns, 
unguardable. Xavier McKinney talked about after practice how unguardable he was. Andrew Thomas also talked about specifically pinpointing Darren Waller. I think that's a really good sign. Two leaders of the team, two of the best players on the team overall. And I thought it was interesting, Nick, to see him motion into the backfield. I thought it was interesting that we saw a lot of 12 personnel with Daniel Bellinger and Waller in the field. Any thoughts on all of what we saw today with Waller? I love the fact that he's motioning in the backfield. It's day one of training camp. Who knows what the Giants plan is come week one against the Dallas Cowboys. But when you have that in your arsenal, as we saw with Daniel Bellinger, specifically last year with the Indianapolis Colts, it just adds a wrinkle that the defense now needs to prepare against and now needs to handle. If you do end up putting Darren Waller back there, how exactly are you going to play him when you're that tight? If your primary defender is say a safety or even cornerback that you want to put on Darren Waller, if you put him in the backfield, you're going to put that safety and cornerback in the backfield, maybe the safety, but the cornerback as well. And if the safety is out there is the linebacker still going to be out there? Is that going to allow you to run the football a little bit better? It just puts the defense into a reactionary position that they're not used to handling. Darren Waller is such a freak athlete, as you just detailed by uh, all the teammates of the New York Giants, that you can exploit the defense in so many different ways. And that's just one other one. And we talked about the three by one sets, how he's going to be out there. He's going to be using the slide, he's going to be used as a wise. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just really hope he stays healthy. Yeah, I do as well. And just to get back to some of what we said there, um, Darren Waller is going to be a problem for defenses, according to Andrew Thomas. That was after practice. And Connor Hughes, who was at practice, said the guy was near and guardable in the red zone, put a show on. Xavier McKinney said his size, speed, and athleticism combination make it such a challenge from a schematic standpoint. Basically, humans shouldn't be that large and fast. And, you know, that's something that we heard a lot with Darren uh, from George Kittle when he was discussing tight end U. Unprompted, Kittle named Waller as the fastest tight end who shows up at tight end U, but also the strongest. I think the strength, maybe it doesn't show up as a blocker, and that's why people kind of have this idea of him as just this receiving first tight end, but he's a really strong player at the point of attack, and more importantly, in his route running and his ability to create separation where I think, you know, at the catch point, these are areas where we haven't really seen much Giants offense and passing game in late seasons. We recent season, we expected it from Kenny Galladay. We didn't get it from Kenny Galladay. It could be here with Darren Waller because Darren Waller, in addition to being able to make plays, at the catch point can actually create separation. So I mean, Galladay obviously wasn't able to do last season uh, and during his tenure with the Giants. So I'm really intrigued to see that. Apparently, another player who had a really good practice, and I know we just mentioned Cole Beasley, was Paris Gamble, who also, in addition to Waller, was motioning into the backfield, playing a little bit of like that slot role, but also that pre-snap motion, getting to the backfield as a back. What are your thoughts on, on, on Campbell in his first practice? I think Paris Campbell is going to be used that way. We talked about it when the Giants drafted Wando Robinson. When Wando Robinson was at Nebraska, he was a running back early on in his career. And we're like, they're going to use Wando Robinson in the backfield with Kadarius Toney and Kenny Gott. Now, it didn't necessarily happen just like that. It didn't transpire with Kadarius Tony, but Wanda Robinson started being used in the backfield when the Giants trusted him a little bit more, ended up getting injured. I think Paris Campbell is going to be used on these jet sweeps like Sean McVay used to use Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And like the Giants also used Darius Slayton last year. I think Paris Campbell is better in that role. I think you're going to also see him in the backfield, depending on what the defense how the defense handles you when you do align him back there. Because Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, they are going to adjust their offensive game plan based on how the defense reacts to the personnel that they put out there. And I think Paris Campbell gives you enough flexibility and versatility. And we brought this up on the Bobby Skinner podcast yesterday. 
to align him out wide, to align him in the slot, to align him in the backfield. I think he's going to be one of those annoying pieces that defenses have to account for because you do have to worry about 26. You do have to worry about Darren Waller. You have to worry about Daniel Jones's legs. And now Paris Campbell is just kind of being an annoying pest for your defense to really account for. You're going to have to have an athletic person, probably a nickel type of defender on him, but he's going to be moving around a lot. And I could put the nickel into the box, as I said a little bit earlier. It's going to be fun to evaluate how the Giants use his specific skill set because it is so diverse. Yeah. And you think back to what you mentioned earlier on this podcast about Beasley and you combine it with Campbell. Think back to some of those days in Buffalo when Beasley was with the Bills. The Bills weren't a team that just trotted out the same three receivers every snap or the same four receivers when they went to, uh, you know, 10 personnel. They had such a different mix and match at that receiver position. I think Dable's going to have the exact same thing this year. We'll see Campbell. We'll see Beasley if he makes the roster. We'll see these players getting in and out on different snaps, different down distances. Campbell, to me, is one of my favorite sleepers on this roster and one of my favorite upside plays on this entire roster. I think he has more vertical ability than people realize. I think he potentially has more speed than people realize, in addition to all the things you mentioned as an underneath. Uh, you know, He's the layup throw guy if he needs if you need him to be. So I think he has more of a more of a chance to be a complete receiver than most players on this roster at that position. So I'm very excited to see how his training camp goes. And I was excited. He had a really good first practice. Were you surprised at all by uh, Ben Bredesen getting the first team reps at center and Josh is at left guard and no John Michael Schmitz. I'm glad to see Josh Azudu healthy enough to get those reps. He wasn't put on the pup like Marcus McKethan. I wouldn't say I'm shocked. I think week one rolls around. It's going to be John Michael Schmitz, and there's going to be a battle between the left guard spot with Azudu and Ben Bredesen. But there's a lot to really take on in terms of being a rookie center from a mental standpoint. They probably want to ensure that John Michael Schmitz is ready for that. Let's just start Ben Bredesen there, and then we'll kind of take it day by day, practice by practice. That's probably how the Giants are going to handle it. I wouldn't be shocked by... End of training camp, we see John Michael Schmitz as the number one center as we transition into the regular season. Yeah, I think eventually he wins the job, but it is interesting that Ben Bredesen had the offseason where he was working a little bit with Daniel Jones, taking snaps, trying to learn the position. He even discussed how if you're playing interior offensive line in the NFL, you got to be prepared and ready to play all three spots. And Bed Bredesen put on really good film. We had Bobby Skinner on yesterday who talked about how he felt he was the second best offensive lineman on tape last year for the Giants. And I don't think Nick and I would disagree. Maybe the only player I might think, uh, you know, who could compete with that would be Azudu. But I feel like Bredesen was more consistent than Azudu last year, even though Azudu had more flashes. So it's fair to assume, like, if Ben Bredesen is quote unquote, the second best or second most consistent lineman they have right now, we all hope Evan Neal will take that jump, obviously, and be the second best. But you know, you just don't know that they got to maybe find a way to get Ben Bredesen on the field. And we don't think it's going to come at right guard. Left guard is a big competition with Azudo. I don't think they want to take a step back. So I'm, I'm definitely curious to see if he actually, you know, if they're just using him here to cross train him, or if he actually has a real chance to start in year one over JMS. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also think it's an insurance policy and a contingency plan because you need Ben Bredesen to be up to speed to be the backup if something happens to John Michael Schmitz, unless you're going to give and allocate a roster spot to JC Hassenauer. Because right. the argument for JC Hassenauer making this team is there are no true centers behind the rookie John Michael Schmitz. I think Ben Bredesen being cross-trained at center is really pivotal to not have Hassenauer on the roster. And that's the way the Giants need to be looking at it because this cut, the cuts that are going to happen, it's going to be pretty cutthroat. Giants are going to get rid of some good football players. We're like, ah, oh, damn, I would have loved to see him make the 53, but it's tight. And so a player like JC Hassenauer, I don't think a lot of Giant fans want him on the team, but it might be a necessity with a rookie center if that rookie center gets injured, unless you're comfortable enough with Ben Bredesen playing at center if something were to happen to JMS. Right. And that'll be the interesting situation because we felt like going into this year, the Giants don't have that insurance policy at the offensive tackle position. I am definitely concerned with their swing tackle spot, but I do feel a little bit more comfortable on the interior offensive line, especially at center than they were last season. Uh, obviously, you just broke down. If they can get Bredesen up to speed, they're going to have two potential options there with JMS and Bredesen. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what Joe Shane said today about Saquon Barkley and having him there and how the, he's, he confirmed that the reports the Giants had were potentially looking to trade Barkley were or, you know, not unfounded. The, they did not try to trade him. He talked about how he respects Barkley so much and how he wouldn't have had nine and a half months of contract negotiations if they didn't actually want to get something done. Does that, in your mind, change your opinion at all, Nick, on his future with the Giants? I think we broke this down a little bit uh, on a previous podcast about how you and I, since the or since Saquon signed this one-year deal, I don't, I'm not as certain that he won't be here long-term. I could see the Giants coming to some sort of reasonable agreement after this season because it seems like all that bad blood has just been washed away. It seemed like there was a, it was not trending in the right direction between Saquon Barkley and, and the New York Giants. But right now, after this one-year deal, he reports to camp. He didn't have to do that. That's a real sign of, of maturity from Saquon Barkley and a real team-oriented type of player, which we didn't believe that Saquon Barkley was not that. But now that he is in the building, I feel like the Giants, I mean, depending on how this season transpires, they might be a little bit... Uh, motivated to give Saquon Barkley a contract. It's not like they weren't motivated to give him one now. Like, remember, they offered him one. He denied right. it. I don't, we don't know exactly the numbers, but if it was the numbers that were reported, it was a pretty damn fair deal. And Saquon is definitely taking a discount coming back on this one-year deal without the extra two years of security. So I wouldn't be shocked now if the Giants do give him a contract if he performs well at the end of this year. What about you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's, I'm more open to the idea than I had been. And I, I'm not from my perspective, from their perspective, and uh, yeah. open in, in the sense of what they might do. 
because of what Joe Shane said and because of what he means to the to the team from an out, you know, out just not just on the football field. So it's definitely interesting. I want to get a I want to finish with this, Nick, because uh, we're doing a bit of a rapid fire recap uh, for today. I want to finish here. So today, according to the onlookers, Connor Hughes, you know, Dan Doug and others, it was a sharp day for Daniel Jones. Three touchdowns in the red zone, a rushing touchdown, one to Bellinger, one to Isaiah Hodgins on a whip route where he burned uh, Deontay Banks, which I'm sure some people will have their thoughts on. According to these guys, he looks very comfortable in year two. It's such a different feeling, and it's such a different report than what we got last year. Do you remember back to last year in training camp? It was Daniel Jones struggling day in and day out. Interception here, interception there. The offense looks much worse than the defense. Now it feels like a bit of a flip, at least on day one. Do you make anything of that personally? Because I know we have different opinions on this than I, than the general consensus. Not really. I mean, it's day one of training camp. You don't really have that much pressure coming on. You're not taking hits. I think Daniel Jones proved enough last year to make me feel somewhat comfortable with him moving into this season. I still think he needs to take a lot of um, strides in certain areas of, of of his play, attacking downfield, attacking sidelines to the field side, all the stuff that we've brought up throughout the entire offseason. Day one of training camp isn't really going to sway me one way or, or another. But I'll say this. That was a sick catch by Saquon Barkley and a sick move on the on the sideline touchdown. I mean, he signs a contract yesterday and he comes back and he makes a play like that in training camp. It was it was nice to see. I would love to see that in the game because if you watch it to the right of the screen on the clip that I'm referring to where Daniel Jones rolls out, there was no pass rush or anything against Daniel Jones. But Saquon really burnt the defender who was on him, which was, I believe, Xavier McKinney. And I love the move that he made to really kind of get an advantage on McKinney towards the sidelines and the concentration to haul the catch yep. in secure both of his feet and bounds. It was a really nice play by Saquon. It was a really good 90 degree cut by Saquon to create that separation against McKinney. Uh, I feel like my takeaway is, look, I'm with you, Nick. I don't really personally make too much of this, that the issues for Jones are, are, are more, you know, what you see on game film, for example, is not what you see in, in these training game practices, no pass rush, no scheme by the defense really. But, he looks a lot more comfortable in the red zone, and that's kind of a carryover from what we saw at the end of last season, and that's what I'm excited about. He was much better in the red zone last season as a quarterback in every single metric, and even by the eye test and his ability to create, get out of the pocket, scramble, drill, find receivers who are, you know, ran their route already, the route's done, and now they're breaking off their route and freelancing, and he's finding those receivers, and I felt like that was the case as well on that Barkley touchdown, and then on his touchdown run as well in practice today, so that would be my one thing I'm excited about, him continuing to carry over the red zone success that he built last year as a quarterback, and the efficiency that he improved on, so anything else from today's practice that stood out to you that you wanted to bring up before we wrap up? One thing, Bryce Ford Wheaton had a touchdown catch oh, from yes. Tom, from the great I Tom. that? From the great Tommy DeVito and any talk about Bryce Ford Wheaton is going to gain traction among giant fans and this podcast as well, just because the wide receiver room is so it's so deep right now, right? There's not a lot of top end talent, but it's so deep and there's still an uphill climb for Bryce Ford Wheaton to make this team, despite the fact that Giants gave him over $200,000 of a signing bonus or UDFA. That is a lot for a signing bonus. The Giants want him to seize this opportunity. And that touchdown catch, and I know it was, I think, seven on seven, take it for what it's worth. He still has a defender on him. The ball was thrown behind him. He had to adjust, get both of his feet in bounds. It was really, really impressive. Bobby Skinner put it up on Twitter if anybody wants to go and check it out. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say this. Bryce Ford Whedon's chances of making this roster are, are probably solely dependent on what he can do on special teams, and he's going to have to really grind to become a special teams player they can rely on. But... I don't care if it's seven on seven, 11 on 11, the preseason, the regular season, what he displayed on that catch. And you guys should all go find it on Twitter. Again, Bobby Skinner tweeted it out are traits that don't, it, to me, I don't need to see 
regular season or seven on seven. It's a trait that I see that stands out no matter what the situation is. It's the ability to leap into the air, completely contort your body, adjust in the air, and make a catch that's behind you, a hands catch, not a body catch, a hands catch. That was a next-level athleticism, and I don't even know if I thought that was in his game going into today. I felt like he was more of just a straight-line player going into today. That was really, really impressive. It was one of the best catches I've seen in any of these camp clips dating back to last year. Anything, man. Like, go watch that clip. I mean, he's completely contorting to a pass behind him, snatching it in the air, having the strength in his hands to come down with the catch through the contact point and through the ground. That's good stuff from Bryce Ford Wheaton. So I'm happy he did that in, in, in day one of practice. And he's one of my favorite players to track throughout the preseason. All right. We'll have more on coming practices in the coming days. More content as well. Thank you for tuning into this quick rapid reaction recap. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you soon.